This event was recorded live at the 2010 Edinburgh International Book Festival. I'm here today uh, to first of all welcome you all to the Edinburgh International Book Festival, but particularly um, to introduce Sophia Janssen, who is going to talk about her wonderful, wonderful aunt, whose name I'm not even going to pronounce because I know I'm going to say it wrong. So, Sophia, how would you call your aunt? Torve. Well, there you go. I'm Julia Ackleshire, I'm the children's book editor of The Guardian, and I'm also the editor of a book called A Thousand and One Children's Books to Read Before You Grow Up. Now, none of you obviously will know this book because you're all grown up, but in it, of course, is the wonderful Moomins, because these books have been an absolute bedrock of children's literature since 1946, when the first Moomin title was published. And it is remarkable, it's one of the wonderful things about children's books, but it is remarkable when we see an example like this. The books that have lasted and that have entertained children of different generations, children across the world. These stories sell in 44 languages. They're 65 years old, they sell in 44 languages. They have entertained children everywhere for very many years. And that's a really remarkable achievement and something we want to talk about. They're going particularly strong at the moment. There's some wonderful new publishing about them, around them. There are these new picture books here, uh, which will be on sale along with the uh, original stories in the bookshop after the event, and also obviously during the whole festival. Um, the books will be there for you to buy, but Sophia is not actually going to sign them. Since she didn't write them, she feels it was a bit of a cheek. Um, <laughs> I think she's right on this one. Um, but, but obviously, if you haven't come across them, do, do go and buy them. So Sophia grew up uh, in this wonderful family with her aunt. And I'm just going to ask her to try and give us a picture of her aunt and of the work that she did and we'll try and think about some of the reasons why the books might be still so special and important but there will of course be lots of time for you to ask Sophia your own questions about the Moomins and I'm sure you have many they are deeply loved by so many people and I'm sure all of you in this room so Sophia how did the Moomins come about what's the story well there are actually sort of two official stories and I say official because Tuva during her lifetime was interviewed hundreds and hundreds of times and she came from a family where storytelling was a long tradition and uh, to answer these questions about where the Moomins came from she also told a couple of stories now how much of these stories are actually true we, we don't really know but um, at least the way she told them, it sounds very good. Uh, and one of them was that um, they, they used to live in the countryside, in the Finnish archipelago, uh, in the summertime. That's a custom in, in, in Finland. And uh, there, there was an outhouse. And on the walls of the outhouse, because it was built of, of uh, planks with spaces in between, they put cardboard on the inside. Um, just to keep the cold out and the wind out. But the Janssen family, being a family of artists, uh, of course brought crayons and pens and all sorts of things to the outhouse so that you could entertain yourself while you were there. And uh, a, a sort of philosophical discussion ensued on these walls. And, and, um, and one of uh, the discussions was with her brother and he apparently had uh, made some philosophical statement based on, I think, Immanuel Kant, <laughs> possibly. And Tuve didn't know how to answer it. So she got angry and then she drew the ugliest figure she could possibly think of <laughs> underneath it. And this was her continuation of, of, of the discussion. So this is supposedly the first appearance of this little Moomin troll in, in, in visual form. But in actual fact, um, Tove was sent over to her Swedish relatives from, from Finland to study when she was uh, about 15 years old. Just quickly, Finland was still part of uh, Russia. It was a Grand Duchy of Russia and, and Tove's mother came from Sweden. so. She was sent over to her Swedish relatives to, to go to the art school in Stockholm, and she lived with an uncle. 
now she was about 15, 16 years old, and uh, she got very hungry at night uh, because they had very strict meal times and she used to go down to the kitchen uh, by herself at night and eat leftovers. Now her uncle didn't approve at all of this and, uh, and told her off, but his way of telling her off was he, he said, you mustn't go down there because behind the big stove there are moomins and they will blow cold air in your neck if you go down there. So, um, wow, so an anti-vampire. <laughs> anti so, so you can see that probably the uncle too is quite uh, familiar with telling stories. So reportedly this is, this is the first mention of, of the Moomins. So the Moomins have been in her mind since she was a teenager, let's say. And then uh, this incident with her brother, who I assume is your father. Uh, no, this no? is the middle brother. The middle brother, yeah. right. Mm. They were what? They were still in childhood or this was when they were adults, this figure first appeared? No, they were definitely sort of teenage right. going on right. maybe adult becoming right. yeah, adults, yeah. So that was the first figure. So she was a sort of Banksy, a sort of street artist, really. I mean, that's where she began, by drawing uh, on the uh, walls. Uh, very much so. <laughs> it's a very, very, uh, how shall I say, agrarian type of, yeah. of uh, Banksy. But, uh, well, Tuve then went on to draw uh, and to actually earn a living by drawing for a magazine called Garm. Her mother already drew for this magazine. In, in those days, they didn't use that many photographs, uh, but they used an awful lot of illustrations. And so her f the first illustration that she submitted and actually got paid for, she submitted at the age of 15 for this magazine. And in this magazine, it's, um, it was um, a magazine that actually pre-war magazine during the 30s that uh, really was quite critical of, of um, political events in, in Finland and, and, in, and in, in Europe at the time. But Tuve, for the illustrations for this magazine, this, these caricatures really that she, she drew, she started using a little figure in these illustrations and that would be perhaps the first real moomin we see. And does it look like, would we recognize it as a moomin? You might recognize it from the book called um, The Little Trolls and the Great Flood, right. where the moomins are still sort of rather elongated and their noses are slightly longer. And, but then she develops her, her style in, in drawing the moomins and, and today we know them as rounder and shorter mm. and stubbier nose. Stubbier noses, yeah. yeah. But the first appearance of them, I think I'm right in saying, for public consumption was in a comic strip, is that right? Rather than in book form? Um, yes, and um, actually the first, the first Moomin story mm. was published in 1945, and it was called The Little Trolls and the Great Flood. Not the Moomins, because the publisher said, you know, nobody knows. Yeah, it's a well-known publisher saying you can't have a title. You, 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 you can't have a title, nobody knows. It has to be The Little Trolls. But in the story, they are definitely Moomin Troll and Moomin Mama. Um, she wrote the story during the war, and it was published in 1945, right after the war. Very quickly afterwards, she actually drew a strip cartoon for, for a magazine uh, published by a friend of hers. And that would have been the first Moomin comic right. that we see. But yeah. based on Moomin stories, she was already writing in novels then, right. because she started very quickly to write novels. So it started with, Comet, is Comet in Moomin is that the first? Um, yeah, the first one is Comet in Moomin Land and that was published in Swedish in 1946. Yeah. And then the next one in, which is in English called Finn Family, Family Moomin Troll, we call yes. it something else. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was the big one in the UK. It was the big one, yes. And that was published in 1948. Right. And I believe these two titles were translated into English rather quickly mm. and published in Britain then in, in early 50s. So she must have been a pretty immediate success. I mean, for the rights to be being sold around the world at that time means that it must, she must have been pretty big, big in Finland almost immediately. Um, the books, I think, were very popular already when they came out in the 1940s. And definitely in, in the early 50s, she experienced some sort of little Moomin boom or whatever you call it because they had uh, the biggest 
department store in Helsinki had a had an Amumin event already in the 50s, we've, we've seen in, in photographs, so it, so it must have been quite a big yeah. hit. But the fact that they were translated into English was, as so many things are, or at least were in those days, was really pure chance, because Tuve was friendly with uh, a lady who was working at the university, an English lady that was working at the University of Helsinki, and she said, why don't I translate these books into English and we'll try and and, and published them in England and through her contacts then yeah. found a publisher and they became great friends in fact. Yes, yeah. and then it presumably did it spread, spread around the world at that time? I mean from, you know, once in the English language presumably they then were published in America and... It, yes, they were published among other languages in Japanese hmm. uh, rather early on because again some literary agent had come over from Japan, not to Finland mind you, but to Britain and yeah. found these Moomin books in Britain and then thought, ooh, you know, we, we want to publish this in Japanese. So the Japanese translation was actually made from the English translation yeah. uh, originally. But yes, they were published in quite a few languages throughout the 50s and, and, and the 60s. And apart from these two sort of childhood things of the, the, the uncle's terrifying uh, creature that he created and the, the figure she drew as a riposte to mm. a philosophical argument, where do you think she got her inspiration from? I mean, are they mythological? Are they political? Are they... Where do these little... Where does the world all come from? Well, I think, needless to say, the sources of inspiration were, were very many, but um, because uh, her mother brought with her a, a sort of Swedish child uh, children's book tradition, where you read out loud a lot and, and reading was heavily emphasized in the Ansem family and, and storytelling and also, of course, visual arts because mm -hmm. Tuva's father was a sculptor and Tuva's mother was a graphic artist. Mm -hmm. And um, so all, all the while they're, they're living in a, in a family where they're, they're combining word, words and picture in, in many different ways and also then in, in, in with her father being a sculptor also seeing the world through sculpting through 3D. So, so I think that, um, that that's, that's part of it. But, but um, Tuve's mother and also her father came with sort of rather humanistic uh, views of, 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 of the world and of life and I think because Tuve grew up she, she was born in 1914 when the First World War broke out and she actually saw her father go to the front in Finland and, and was away for several years and then during those years between the wars of course living in, in a very uncertain political time I think um, fairy tales and stories were, were extremely important and, um, and because, um, because there was a certain need during the war, I mean she says to herself um, uh, in, in the foreword to, to the small trolls and, and the great flood that uh, she didn't feel like painting pretty pictures during the war, mm -hmm. instead maybe writing a story to sort of escape what was happening outside because she openly admitted that you know the first story is a very very escapist kind of story but yet again when you read it it's about uh, little Moomin Troll and his mother and their, their father has been lost in the great flood and they're looking for their father so in this story things happen to them and eventually at the end luckily they do find the father, but it's very parallel to what was happening all around Tove uh, in, in Finland. In, during the war, lots and lots and lots of people mm. lost uh, members of the family and, and people were sort of lost in, mm. in, in a sense. And, um, and so she wrote this story, but with a happy ending. Mm. And, um, and, and she did say, did say later that she was a little bit ashamed of, of this first story because she'd borrowed very heavily from all the children's books she'd read herself yeah. um, as, a, as, a, as a child. 
and uh, that it really was sort of just something to, to keep her going. Later, she became much more ambitious about her writing and was ve really very meticulous about uh, constructing stories w with both depth and, and, and uh, a, f a feeling that, uh, that was worthwhile to her. She was probably became more imaginative, more ambitious for the stories and more imaginative at, 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 in the later stories, didn't she? Whereas in the first story, in a sense, one of the great, well, in the early writing in all of the books, but in the early writing particularly, one of the great strengths is her incredible sense of place. I mean, did, did she love the country? I mean, from the summer book, we get the feel that the country, or the island in that instance, but that country is important to her, nature was very important to her. And I think that comes through very strongly in all the Moomin stories. I think, I think she, in the Moomin stories, without making them sort of uh, banal children's stories, she really creates her own favorite place mm. to be. She, she, she places these characters in, in Moomin Valley, and then she, she makes the Moomin Valley everything she would hope such a place could be. Mm. And, and then with her, artistic training also sort of makes the composition such that all the characters really have their own place and, and, and the jigsaw is sort of complete. Um, I think uh, the, the stories, of course, are, are to begin with extremely playful and, and very, very much more like children's stories. But she wrote, in fact, eight novels and, and throughout these novels, you can see a, a slight change from sort of a more frivolous, uh, happy children's story without um, being, you know, not, not uh, serious, um, to stories that become much more philosophical and really perhaps um, are geared to more towards an adult write, uh, reader. Mm. Um, and where she really um, treats subjects that are, that are that are quite complex and, and and difficult, though she does it through these characters, the Moomin family and and their adventures and and the things that happen to them. But but yes, uh, they live in the Moomins live in a very symbiotic mm. uh, relationship with nature. Um, it's. Uh, nature is, is respected and is part of them. And I think this is very true to how Tuve lived herself mm. in, uh, in, in her life and, and above all in, in the countryside. Um, it, it's very difficult even for me to kind of imagine a different way to be when you are in nature. Nature is sort of part of of how you exist in, 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 in the Finnish countryside. And this is something that I think sort of naturally comes into Tuva's mm. stories because a lot of the things that the Moomins do are things that uh, she must have done while she was in the country. You know, one of, one of the things that, that happens is they, 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 they go on picnics <laughs> and out to, to islands and uh, this sounds simple, but it actually isn't all that simple, <laughs> not in the books. But this is definitely something that you do, and it's, it's, it's not just about going on a picnic. It's everything the Moomins, you know, hope to, to discover. It's sort of, they're, they're discoverers when, when they go, what can happen? And, and then all of a sudden, all these strange creatures, um, or they meet these strange strange creatures and they they have a wonderful way of being naively fascinated with everything new which is um, I think absolutely wonderful because uh, it's so easy to be jaded and, and cynical but but I think Tuve very much wanted to convey that you know whatever you are whoever you are <laughs> Uh, you can be part of part of the group, and this this can sound 
banal, but it actually isn't. Well, really. no, I mean, the books, I mean, it seems to me the books have two very modern ingredients, and one is their eco books before mm. people were writing eco books because the respect for nature um, and the way the Moomins live their life in. Um, Harmony is not quite the right, but in the same sort of t rhythm of nature, I think it comes through. Any child reading those books would would get that sense of it. You know, when it's cold or when it's flood or when it's whatever, it's very very dominant. And the other thing is, a lot of it, it seems to me, is about tolerance of other kinds of people. Mm. I mean, they're sort of early, um, you know, messages about migration, which, which seem very relevant today. Uh, was, she, was she very conscious of doing that, do you think? I mean, obviously not writing them for today, but I mean, was she trying to include political messages? I mean, you, you mentioned there that she really, you know, she did also write for adults and that the books became increasingly full of the sort of adult themes. Do you think she wanted the stories to be read like that? Because that's quite a long way from the playful, which, as you say, is where she really began. Um, I think I think that though she herself, during her lifetime, while she was interviewed, she she definitely denied that there was such a thing as a moving philosophy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think perhaps more than a moving philosophy, it was. Uh, uh, a philosophy very prevalent in her family or in 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 her social surroundings, and um, where where perhaps also you needed to 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 be more open and forgiving because you had very 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 serious. Uh, events going on in the world that, that, that were definitely very drastic and not, yeah. not open to, to um, accepting uh, differences in, in, in people or ways of living. And, and so I think this was very important for her to, but without sort of pointing the finger or moralizing, uh, she just wrote these this philosophy into her stories because it's how she was herself and how she felt you know most comfortable describing what her ideal you know place would be like and as a child growing up i mean you you grew up she she was a very big part of your life because your father worked for her is that right uh, yes, my, my father, who was her younger brother, uh, started quite early on to help her out with the comic strips that you mm. mentioned early, before, early on before. Um, and then gradually sort of grew to be her, her right-hand man, if you like, with the Moomins when they, they grew as a phenomenon and, and the books became popular, then lots of things started happening around them, you know, plays and all sorts of things, events, and he helped her out. And so when I was growing up, he was definitely not just a family member, but he, he worked very closely with her on, on all sorts of projects around, around the Moomins. And you spent, I mean, because the summer book's dedicated to you or it's written about you? I mean, you, you feature in it. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the summer book, uh, I don't know, some of you might, might be familiar with it, uh, is about uh, uh, a grandmother and a little girl on an island and a summer that they spend together and a rather absent father. Um, and Tuva wrote this book uh, after she'd actually finished with the Moomin books and, and her, her mother had recently died and she had a very close relationship with her mother. They were sort of artistic Sparring partners, sparring partners, sparring partners. Yeah. and and when her mother died, um, it was a great loss for her. And I think that the summer book is really a homage to her mother. And and in 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 the stories in the summer book uh, that are not they are not at all sentimental. Um, uh, about the relationship between this old woman and, and, and the little girl. Tuva has written in her own childhood experiences. Uh, some are modeled on this exact grandmother and myself because I also um, <laughs> spent time with, with Tuva's mother as a child. And, and then part of it is, is fiction, mm. just pure fiction that she's mm. invented. 
but um, it's um, it's it's a it's a lovely. It's a very touching picture it, of relationships, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's a lovely story, uh, regardless of who those people be, might be or might not mm. be. Uh, uh, it's a it's a lovely story about an old woman and a and, and a young child. girl, mm. yes, and a child. Yeah. But you did. I mean, you saw a lot of her, so you must have been. I mean, when you were growing up, what was the what was your relationship to the Moomin books? Were 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 you expected to read them all as they came out? Were you sitting there eagerly, or or did yeah. nobody expect you to take much interest uh, in them? No, in fact, they were they were never sort of foisted upon me. I, I know that that some of them were read out loud. This is a tradition very strong in the Janssen family. You read out loud to to each other and to your children, mm. and and it was a nice way to 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 be together. Um, and some of the books were definitely read out loud to me, but my earliest memories of, of, of the Moomins are really from the comic strips, mm. because they were published in albums and they were on the cottage bookshelf. And, and long before I could really read myself properly, mm. I, I used to leave through these comic books, because obviously there you have a picture and yeah. next picture, and then you have a little bit of text. And if you can't read the text, you can still follow Tell the, the story. story. <laughs> And um, and so that would have been my first yeah. real sort of connection to the Moomins. But no, they were never foisted on on me. And also, I think because they were work and and not really seen as you know this is something valuable that you must you know have. But and uh, and being work and uh, they they were also because they were all artists and they all knew the importance of of being left alone when when you're working um the, the work was often done and then sort of put aside and then you you had sort of other time other time yeah you know when you did other things mm. um and I think that was probably actually a good thing, yes. be, because if they had been forced upon me, I would go nowhere near them now, probably. <laughs> You'd be enjoying them in your in your older life. No. <laughs> would you be able to recognise, or would Tove be able to recognise characters in the books uh, from your own family? Did she draw from life for some of the characters? I mean, they're such strong characters, and they're so individual. Um, I, she said herself that only a couple of the characters were actually really modelled on real people. Right. And that would have been Moomin Mama, which very much was like her mother. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Tutiki, which appears in Moominland Midwinter yeah. the first time, which is even physically quite like her, her partner to be then for, for the rest of her life. Mm. The other characters probably uh, very inspired by, by different people, but uh, because, as I said before, she was quite uh, uh, meticulous about constructing perfect compositions, she gave the characters very, very specific character sort of personality traits. Mm. Uh, we know this because we have actually found um, her in her archives uh, sort of papers where she's making synopsis for different books and where she has actually written the characters with the different characteristics on the side and then she made sure that you know she got the characteristics in that she, so she wanted got a sort of profile yeah sort of a profile for, yeah. for, for the different characters um, some of the characters are yeah, like possible you know acquaintances of her hers but I think her, she herself claimed that only two were really modelled on real people. Did she have a favourite? I doubt it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> she was too professional. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think she had, you know, sort of by and by, she got a very ambivalent relationship to, to all the characters because right. they sort of invaded her life as well. It's funny when when you created something like she did the, the Moomin universe, of, of course. What happened to Tove was that eventually it sort of caved in on her, and and she she said when she started dreaming about Moomins, then she had to stop because she just 
you know, had enough. It was too much. And then she went over to write books for adults uh, about real people, if you yeah. like. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I'd realise, I mean, yeah. until you said about yeah. her writing the summer book after yeah. she'd stopped writing yeah. the movies, I don't think I'd realise she, she'd stopped the movements before long before she obviously when I think about it obviously long before she died yeah. and she'd just written enough or I think she was just ready with it yeah you know yeah it, the, the the creation was ready and then of course the Moomins have lived on like yeah. you said and 65 years on so they, they've got the momentum of their own and they they, they keep surging in in different contexts. Um, and would you be pleased about that? What I didn't say, Sophia mm. is in fact the chairman of the family, the family business, so she's in, in a sense responsible for how the movements are developing for uh, the modern readership, and that's quite a, quite a responsibility, but would, would, would Tove have been pleased to see the movements being produced in different formats? And I think uh, she would be very pleased that her books are still being read 65 mm. years on. And, um, and I mean, definitely she would be pleased that so many people are fond of the Moomins. But I do know for a fact that she felt rather ambivalent uh, during her lifetime about the sort of commercialization of, mm. of her characters. And I do understand it very well because obviously every time somebody does something with the movements that she hasn't done herself. It's a copy and it can't mm. possibly be, mm. you know, completely right or, or the right thing. But like so often happens with, with characters that are very dear, you know, it's inevitable. People will start using them or want to use them or love them so much and want to do things mm. with them. And so what we have done really in, in as you mentioned, in, in the company that now oversees the, uh, the, the copyright to the movements and is trying to steer this, this development with the movements, the, the desires to, to have different projects based on her books and, 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 and keep them as close to the original as possible because you know the original books is where they all came from these stories and and even wonderful new books like the ones that you have there uh, are, are based on the original and that's what we try and keep in people's minds and would you have mm. liked that lovely white plush which somebody is holding there <laughs> who is if nobody's got one of these go and buy one they are very 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 irresistible uh, uh, actually, would she have uh, liked I'm that? absolutely sure she would have loved it right. yes <laughs> it has the seal of approval then. yes 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 yeah um, well I, that's absolutely fascinating mm. I must say you know I've, I've read a lot mm. um, but I, you have mm. filled in all sorts of bits I never knew, and the thought of the movement's beginning as this sort of cold breath on the neck, I think, <laughs> is, gives them a whole other dimension. Um, so now I think there is a roving mic, and there are the roving mics there. So if anybody has a question they'd like to ask, put your hands up. I think yep. we'll take yes. Okay. Well, we'll start. There are two two men at the back. So if we start there, is it on? Yeah. Um, Sophia, thanks very much for a fascinating insight into the, the life of your aunt. I think like, like many people in the room, the, the Moomin books have a very deep place in our hearts. And certainly for me, um, when I first read them as a child, they were emotionally very, very impactful. My parents used to have a shop and we had a library very close to the shop. And I remember borrowing in very quick succession all the books from Comet right through to uh, the, the final one. Um, I wanted to pick up on what you mentioned regarding the duality of, of, of Tova's writing for children and for adults, because for me, actually, the, the, the heart of the Moomin books lies actually, in, for me, in, in the last two volumes in uh, Moomin Papa at Sea and Moomin Valley in, in November, which are not really, to be honest, discussed that much by by, by the popular press, and yet I find in those two books a crystallization of a lot of things that are, are kind of, uh, they ferment through the earlier books, but they reach their, their zenith, if you like, in, in, in Moomin Papa at Sea and Moomin Valley in November. I'm thinking here about sadness, loneliness, absence, um, in the case of the Philly Jonk, obsessive compulsive disorder at the beginning of Moon Valley in November when she can't face cleaning a window and runs away to Moon Valley. And the wonderful way in which those two books are concurrent in that while the family is on the island, 
the valley is being inhabited by all these uninvited guests, inverted commas, who turn up at the house. And I just wondered, those two books are so very different to the, the, the amount of plot that is crammed into something like Moomin Summer Madness. Something must have changed in her view of the writing to make those volumes towards the end so much more um, accessible philosophically uh, to an adult audience than they ever could be to a child. Of course the child can read them, and I read them when I was eight and nine, but I return time and time again to Moomin Papetsi and to Moomin Valley at November because I find them in, deep in my heart as, as kind of extremely resonant of, of a certain way of viewing the world. Sophia. I think you're absolutely right, actually. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that uh, those two books are, in fact, very much my favorite books. Uh, and, and precisely because I can see that Tuve somehow, uh, somehow also conveying her, her way out of the valley and, and, and yet again, not trying to to abandon it in any way because it's a lovely place and 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 um, in Moomin Papa at Sea, uh, it, so many things are so familiar to me because those islands or that island they go to is just like the islands that that Tuva lived on and you know the the lighthouse and and the boats and the you know everything is so familiar. But the, the most wonderful thing is this, this desire that, that Moomin Papa has to actually sort of say, oh, start a new life. And, and where do they start a new life? Out on a barren rock <laughs> in, in, in the middle of nowhere. But how rich it is and how they all actually develop. In, in actual fact, in, in, in that book, Moomin Mama, who is, you know, the epitome of this wonderful mother that makes pancakes and has rose gardens and, and is very wise and everything. In Moomin Papa at Sea, because she misses her rose garden, she's out on this barren rock, what does she do? She takes some paint and she starts painting her rose garden on the wall of the lighthouse and she disappears into her rose garden. It's very... You know, it's, it's a wonderful, that's the first time she really sort of takes a step out of her mother role yeah. and, you know, becomes an individual and, and does her own thing. And it's, it's got many, very many lovely bits. But yes, those, those two last books are much more philosophical. And, and probably because Tuve was sort of developing as an author away from or, or, or wanted perhaps also to be considered a serious author not and children's authors are of course serious authors we know that we, we know, we know that but uh, but i think her ambition was to 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 really be taken not just as a fairy tale writer and and so these books are really moving moving towards taking the step to writing then you know something that is strictly for, for adults thank you I was wondering if you've been approached by Disney, and uh, if so, what would be the response if you haven't? So, so, sorry, I didn't hear that question. Yeah, I wonder if you've been approached by Disney. By Disney. by Disney? Uh, uh, yes, in fact. <laughs> yes, yes, we have been approached by Disney. Um, uh, even during Tuva's lifetime, they were approached by big companies like Hanna-Barbera and, and other, others. And, and when Tuve died, a while later, Disney actually approached uh, the, the, the company and, and was interested if, if, if we were possibly, if we could possibly consider some cooperation with them. Um, the reason we decided against it was uh, really because we felt we still wanted to 
take care of the movements <laughs> ourselves rather than sort of give the responsibility on to to a big company like like Disney um, they recognize the movements as a big preschool yeah. property which I'm, I'm sure they are but of course to the family they're much more than that <laughs> so, so we 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 wanted to or at least i still want to during my lifetime to to try and 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 take care of of whatever happens to the moomins as close to what i think tove and my father would have would have wanted then what the next generation does with them i i i i can't uh, vouch for them but uh, we felt we wanted to still keep keep them in the family so to speak question here sorry the mic's just coming thank you it's a continuation from that question when will the finnish film be available in the united kingdom <laughs> i don't know if everyone heard the question the, the question was when will the finnish film be available in the uk actually i i, I don't know this is again a separate um, project, moving project that uh, we are not directly connected to, but of course have knowledge of. It's based on old material made in Poland during the 70s and it's sort of recut and remastered and, and made into a, to a film based on, on, on one of the books. Um, I believe they are trying to get it distributed in the UK, but the film business is a tricky business, so I, I, I'm not exactly sure whether they have succeeded. I, 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 I do believe, or rather I hope they will. Um, it probably won't be in the big cinemas, but it, 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 if they come, it will be shown on, on some. It, it's, it's an artsy film. It's, it's very nice. It's really, really lovely. But it's perhaps not for you know the great audiences. It's uh, not probably as action-packed as they need to be these days. <laughs> a nice Mind art. you, lots of things happen in it. But <laughs> a nice <laughs> art house film. Yeah. Question here. Just here at the front. I wonder if you'd pronounce the names of the characters for me, please, and if if you have any idea of the derivation of them. Know where words like snork came from. <laughs> right, we're just going to have a little um, trip through the characters, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, with their names I being properly English. pronounced. Well, you can do it in two versions. Yes, I was and going to also say. And also an account of, of where some of them may have, not who she modelled them on, but whether there's any uh, derivations. Well, there's, there's, the, there's the Moomin family. Um, and in English, it's pronounced very much like it is in Swedish. We say Moomin, and you say. Moomin. Right. So, and then, then I won't go there whether it's Moomin Papa or Moomin Papa, right. but uh, that, that you can choose. We say Moomin Papa in Swedish. And I think then, we do too because we don't see it as English. Okay, okay, so it's Moomin Papa, Moomin Mama. Then Moomin is also Moomin Troll, or in Swedish Moomin Trollet, we use the definite article because there's just one of him. So it's Moomin Trollet. Um, then his friend, lady friend, uh, Snork Maiden. In Swedish, she's called Snork Fröken. But again, very close. Fröken and Maiden are the same thing. Um, Snufkin, Moomin's friend, is called Snusmumriken. In, uh, in Swedish, now, Snus is snuff. And Mumrik uh, might have to do with the fact that he plays uh, uh, what's it called a harmonica, and and that he's a bit of a vagabond. Um, who, who, who have I left out? Hang on. That's little Mai. Now, now, little Mai we pronounce Lilla Mu, and Mu is definitely that. Tuva has also said in an interview. Thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's taken from Greek. My is meant to, yeah, is signifies very, very, very small. And though little my is often depicted much bigger these days, 
to have a thought of her as a very small character. She, she was hides in the pins. Yeah, she, she she could actually fit into one of these little bar sewing baskets yeah. that you had. So 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 in the book originally she's very small and that's why she's called Mai or Little Mai Lilamu. Uh, there's her sister Mimble, um, <coughs> who's called Mumlan in Swedish. Now this again, the learned debate about this. Uh, mumla can also be used as a verb uh, and has the connotation of making love. Uh, now whether Tuve actually created this verb or whether it exists, this they, they <laughs> argue about this. Today it's definitely an accepted verb. At mumla, to mumla means to make love in, in, in Swedish. It's not used very widely. Uh, but it, it does exist. Um, who else? The sniff. Mm -hmm. The sniff is called sniff in Swedish as well. And what does it mean in Swedish? Um, it doesn't really mean anything, but he has a very long nose. Yeah. And the action of sniffing is the same in Fine. Swedish, so that might okay. be one of the reasons. Um, there, there's a set of characters called hemulans. Um, I'm not sure where she got that from. Um, they're called hemular, very similar in Swedish, hemulans. Um, they're usually collectors or they have traits that uh, sort of perhaps not so nice, but they're also quite charming, the hemulans. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are several, actually, the character gallery is, 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 is but those vast. Are the main ones. But what about, but those, just, just refer yeah. to the snork maiden, does mm. snork mean anything? In Swedish, uh, there's a verb to be snorkig, uh, and, and that's a bit sort of to be walking around with your nose in the air. Right. But um, she's not... She's not really like she's that. She's not really like that. I mean, she is very fond of looking at herself in the mirror and how, you know, admiring her yeah. earrings and... <laughs> How lovely she's looking today, um, which is also quite charming, actually, yeah. <laughs> because she's very does it sort of in a very innocent way. Um, what other characters are there? Any any ones that you, you mentioned? Tutiki. Oh, Tutiki. Yeah, but actually, that that uh, her her partner's name uh, is a Finnish name, Tuliki, and uh, Tutiki is just sort of a diminutive hmm. of. Tuulikki. And she's, she's used that straight off, Tuutikki. And that's the only one that's got a real name. That's yeah. the only one. And, and even the character Tuutikki in the books is so much like, well, we call her Tuuti, which is another diminutive. There, there are different diminutives. But uh, very, very similar to how she was in, in real life, actually. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because, oh, yeah. Sorry, there's another question there. And then one at the back, and then I think that will be all we have time for there. Yep. In your aunt's novel, The, the True Deceiver, the children's author seems to have a very um, ambivalent relationship with the commercial aspects of her work. Is that reflective of how your aunt viewed um, sort of the, the commercial aspects of, of the movements? I think very much so, actually, yes. Would you uh, like to just describe that a bit for people who maybe don't uh, know? In, in, in The True Deceiver, which is one of the books uh, that Torbe wrote later on for adults, there's, there's an artist that, and, and her, her, her creations are rabbits. And then she lives out in the countryside and then um, there's a much younger lady that sort of starts helping her out with all sorts of things, Katri. And the book is really about the relationship and, and, and the... Um, the tensions and the sort of the human psychology going on between these women who both sort of need each other but for different reasons. Um, I think uh, of course this is a, a fictional book but, but I think Tuva does write in not necessarily she is not the artist in this book but she writes in aspects that she of, of her own artistry in, in the book, because obviously she spent her life drawing moomin trolls. 
um, and many other many other things as well. So, and and also got to experience um, the increasing desire from the outside world, so to speak, to develop her her, her creations in in some direction, and and having to grapple with what other people wanted to do with her, her creation all the time. That wasn't always a positive thing. And the commercial side was probably difficult for her. Or actually was difficult for her. Yeah. Yes, because she lived to see it after all. Yeah. It didn't only happen yeah. afterwards. Question further back. Yes. Um, I was just a little bit curious as to what your definition of hetifers were. Um, because when reading the story about Hetifers, they seem to be these unimaginable white worm-like creatures that came up from um, the, the night, came up from the darkness. And um, well, I have spent quite a lot of summers in Finland on the islands and also on the Oland Islands. And I don't know what your interpretation is, but I think I saw something that pretty much looked like them. <laughs> um, white slugs that actually do stand upright when you are visiting the midnight privy out in the woods, which I think you understand what I'm talking about. But yes. Uh, am I talking the same thing, or is what my, was it my imagination? Um, actually, I, I, I don't know exactly what Thorbe has, uh, has used as, as inspiration for the Hatifatnos, but uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, they are these sort of... Um, um, how, shall, how shall I describe them? Sort of white, uh, long creatures with, with, with fingers on the side, and they, when there's thunder, they become electrical, and they always move in, in big, big horse, sort of a bit like lem lemmings. Lemmings, um, and they, they, they normally don't don't say anything, but but they're always sort of alive and, and moving and, and in in groups. Um, I have a, some sort of memory hearing that uh, they, they were, you know, these really sort of a picture of, of these groups of people who kind of don't have any individuality, that, that always have to, to, to move in groups and always sort of be the same and, and, and fit in and just be, be a, a unity rather than an individual. But I'm not exactly sure where I heard this. It's, it's, it's in some interview, one of those million, millions of ones that she gave. But the exact origin of, of, of the Hattifatness is still a mystery to me. I, I must look into that. Well, I think that makes a really good place to end mm. because we've all got more to learn. But thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about your aunt, your thoughts about the books, and for giving us such an, I think, amazing insight into the wonderful, wonderful world of the Moomins. And thank you all very much for coming. Many more Edinburgh International Book Festival event recordings are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk, along with a selection of videos.